listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. have series like this every year where we look at basic things and they're not basic but they're things that we will do each and every week that can become mundane. We can just become religious in our walk but yet lose so many times the emphasis of the importance of these things and we're looking at four key areas of church. We're looking at four key areas of church life, your relationship with God. We looked at prayer We looked at the importance of prayer. We're looking at worship and what God wants to do in and through our lives through worship. Next week, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. What an incredible subject. Wednesday and Sunday, you need to be here to hear about the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to talk about tithing. The importance of prayer, worship, the Holy Spirit and tithing because these are principles. You know what a principle is? And you've got to know a principle is a foundational or primary or general truth upon which other truths depend. That, that's pretty important. It's a fundamental, foundational truth that you've got to get right because if you don't, other things will suffer as a result. And each one of these truths, these principles, these practices of faith have a great reward for our lives. If you don't believe me, see what happens when you begin to pray. Just try it. See what happens when you begin to pray. First, God is going to begin to release things and miracles are going to happen in your life. See what happens when you begin to worship God. I'm telling you, the atmosphere will change. Everything of your life will be different. See what happens when you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. The Bible says you'll be an effective witness to everyone and everyone, anyone around you. And see what happens when you tithe. I'm telling you, God says, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out blessings. We've got good at tipping God. It doesn't say tip God, it says tithe God. And I'm telling you, trust me with this. Great things begin to happen and will continue to happen when you pray first, when you worship, when you allow His Holy Spirit to operate in your life and you give. And that's not the total list of things that will produce return and reward in our life. But that's four very important pillars, as we call them, that are needed in our lives. If you've got four pillars, that's what's needed to keep something up. Three's no good. You can say, well, yeah, I can just reposition them. And then, no, no, three is not as good as four. And two is definitely not as good as four. And one is just a disaster about ready to happen. And I think a lot of us, our lives are collapsed in certain areas because we've lost the power of prayer. We don't have the power of worship. 
We don't have the pillar of the Holy Spirit and we don't have the pillar of tithing in our lives. And we want to see every one of you make it in your life. Your families be blessed, your lives be blessed, every aspect of your life. So we talked about prayer. Prayer, talking to God your way, having that freestyle prayer, being able just to talk to God and express your heart to God in the way that's you and how we need to prioritize prayer and and make it something really important. And on Wednesday, we started to talk about worship. Here's something I want to say about worship today. Are you ready? Worship is more than a service. Worship is more than a song. Worship is an expression an action, an offering, and a lifestyle. Worship is how we connect with God, the God of the universe, and how we draw closer to Him and how He draws even closer to us. It's an expression. It's an action, an offering, a lifestyle. It's how we connect to God. And how important is that? In each and every one of our lives. If you missed Wednesday night message, you need to listen back to it on podcast or watch it on Facebook. And I just wish you were here because you're not going to hear and you're not going to see everything that took place Wednesday night. When we tried to end the service about 10 till 8 on Wednesday night, a spirit of worship came over this house. And people were worshipping till about 8.40. People were just here at the altar with their hands lifted high. And we were just worshipping. There was a spirit of worship in the house. And it was absolutely awesome. And here's what worship does. Here's what worship is for your life. Ezekiel 46 and verse 9 says these words. But when the people of the land came before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever entered by way of the north gate to worship. Say with me, to worship. They didn't just come to observe. They came to worship. Whoever came to worship shall go out by way of the south gate, in by the north, out by the south. And whoever comes in, what? Oh, that was, I got confused right there. Where am I at? And then whoever enters by what? By the south gate shall now leave by the north gate. So enter by the south, leave by the north. Enter by the north, Leave by the south, for he shall not, shout with me, not, shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out an opposite way. What a principle of worship right there. You come in one way and you leave another way. Come on, God's not just talking about people flow, that this is how we're to march through. And this Jesus is showing us a truth here of worship, that when we come and fully give our lives to God, when we lay aside our problems and concerns, anyone had any problems when you came in this morning? Anyone got any problems waiting for you when you go out? But what do we do? We come in laying them at the side, saying, God, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to praise you. And here's the promise. When we come in one way, we're going to leave completely the other way. All by worship. So worship is so life changing. But yet according to Romans 1, 21 and 23, and we don't have the scripture, read it for yourself. The problem is today we have exchanged that worship. We've given that worship, that time, our energies to other things 
other than God. We have exchanged our worship to him for something else. Here's what worship is. Are you ready? Worship is an expression of love. Worship is an expression of love. What we value, what we give our time, what we give our money, what we give our energies to, every one of us worships something or someone. Because it's our response to what we value the most. It's not wrong to enjoy other things. It's not wrong to like other things, like sports, LSU, all those kinds. There's nothing wrong with having a time in your life where you enjoy those things. God's not mad and displeased with that. But He is when they become in the wrong order. Because they're not wrong until they are in the wrong order. Because anytime something exchanges the place of God, because He has to be first, then it makes everything else all wrong. And today I want to go on a journey to discover what true worship is and to show you that you and I were created by God to worship Him. We are created to worship Him. We're going to go into some deep stuff today, but it's good stuff. And it's things that are needed to be said to prove to us the fact that you were created for worship. Come on, say with me, created to worship. Created to worship. So let's go back to the beginning, the beginning of time. Here's the question. Who was the first worshiper? Who was the first worshiper that God created? It was Lucifer. Lucifer, he was the archangel. He was the one called Son of the Morning. He was the bright one. He was magnificent. He was glorious. He was splendor. He was Lucifer, the bright one. But look what it says in Isaiah chapter 14, and we're going to begin in verse 12 through 14. And in here we read of his fall, the fall of Lucifer, when he turns from the bright one, the morning star, to become the devil, the deceiver, the trickster, Satan. And the words we read in verse 12 of Isaiah 14 is, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the day star, the sun of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For Lucifer, you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt my throne Above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will, verse 14, ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Out of all the names that he could use for God, he uses the name Most High. Most High. Why? Because I believe he is using this name almost as a resentment and a disdain for where God is and where he wants to be. You see, he doesn't want God to receive the worship. He doesn't want God to receive the praise because that was his role. Satan's role was the worship leader of heaven, that he would lead the choirs of angels, that he would lead the heavenly host, the cherubim and the sephirim, those that were created just to worship God. He would lead them in a chorus of worship to God, sending that worship to God. But one day something changed. 
And he said, why send something to someone that I can keep for myself? And his desire was, I want to steal worship. And ever since that day, Satan's desire has been to steal our worship, to take our praise, our adoration away from God. Even look at Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth and he was tempted in the wilderness, the devil came to Jesus and he said, why don't you fall down and worship me? And Jesus, if you do, here's what I'll give you. I'll give you all the nations of this world. If you will just fall down and worship me. You see, it's always been his goal to steal the worship, to have the worship from Jesus, to take that. Can we just go one verse earlier? Isaiah 14, 11. There is, in here it tells us about his created being. It says your pomp is brought down to shoal hell. That's speaking of everything, your splendor, your majesty has been flawed. It's been taken down. Why? Because of the desire you've had to still worship. But notice what it goes on to say. And the sound of your stringed instruments. You see, Lucifer was created to be a musical instrument. He was an instrument in his very being, who he was. The Bible says, and the sound of your stringed instruments. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 12 through 13, and we'll see this more as we continue to read about him. Lucifer, you were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom. You were perfect in beauty. That means you were splendorous. You were bright. You were perfect in physical form. Everything about you. Think God created something so magnificent to be in his presence. That was Lucifer. To worship, to give that worship to God. You were in the garden of Eden, the garden of God. We see that, don't we, as the serpent. He was there in the garden of God. Your very precious stones was your covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx and jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, and the emerald with gold. And see this, and the workmanships of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day in which you were created. Let's stop there for a second. Isaiah says your stringed instruments... Ezekiel goes on to say, your timbrels and your pipes. Arrayed in beauty, all the precious stones were arrayed upon a musical being. In music, they say there's three groups of instruments. The groupings of musical instruments go like this. There are strings. That would be the violins, the guitars, something that you would pluck, the plucking of strings that makes a sound. Then there is what's known as the percussion. That's like the drums and cymbals, something that is hit and resonates a sound back. But then there is what's known as the wind instruments. That is something that is blown into, such as a trumpet, such as a flute, a horn, something that is blown into every musical instrument comes under either strings, percussion, or wind. So think about this. Lucifer, in his being, 
is music personified. He is strings, he is percussion, and he is wind instruments. He's a musical maestro before God. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. There's something we've got to see in what Lucifer did. He didn't just do stuff. The Bible said what he did was anointed. He was anointed before God. There was a difference that when he played, there was something that was felt different to anything. He was an anointing upon music. And you need to see this today because I believe today Lucifer, who now is Satan, still has an anointing. But now not of God but an anointing of this world that he places upon music to have such an incredible, powerful effect upon the people that it comes in contact with. You think about music. You can be depressed and you hear certain types of music and it just lifts your spirit. You you can be what? You can be happy and hear a certain type of music and it can make you depressed. You could, music has such a power over it to influence, to change the atmosphere. You see, everything that Satan has is counterfeited from what God has. Everything. Look at anything and everything that Satan wants to give this world from drugs to alcohol to every aspect of what sin wants to be. There is a substitute or that is a substitute to something of great return and great reward to what God has. God wants to use worship and praise to lift your spirits, to give you hope, to give you victory. And oh, the world, it feels like that, but really he's using it to lead you into a place where he almost controls your emotions, controls your mind, controls everything about you. And you've got to be very careful with this. Very careful. That's why music, let me say it again, even today, and perhaps even more today, because of how readily available it is to every one of us, that music is such a powerful tool. You may turn around and say, oh, it's just harmless. Maybe not. Maybe it's not as harmless as you think. Maybe it's not as subtle as you think. But maybe it has a divine design. Or not a divine design. But it has a design to influence your life. And to steal your worship. Come on, anytime you're opening your mouth to sing something that's not a worship and praise to God, maybe your worship is being stolen from God. I'm not standing before you all holy, but I was brought up in a family. We didn't listen to secular music. Kelly will still laugh at me now because we'll be out places and something will come on the radio and Kelly's like, man, remember that song? And I'm like, sorry, no, don't. And it's not like I'm just trying to be awkward and it's not that I'm trying to be holier than that. It's just something that I didn't allow. In my life right now, you won't find secular music in anything that I listen to. I just don't. I I listen to praise and worship. Now, I'll sometimes watch The Voice. I'll watch TV shows. There's music. We know all those kind of things. Sometimes when we travel, we'll put on country. Kelly likes country every now and again. And if you can't find Christian songs, I guess country's almost as close. Maybe not, but there you go. We're just praying for someone's dog to come back and their wife to come back and their pickup truck to start. We're just believing God's going to do a miracle in their lives. Amen. 
But what I'm saying is this, be careful. Be careful what you entertain yourself with. Because maybe you're entertaining more than you perhaps realize. Why? Because Satan has an anointing for music. He was the anointed cherub that covered before he fell. Let's read on. God says, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the days you were created till iniquity was found in you. You were perfect until what? You wanted the worship. You wanted to take from God that which wasn't yours to have. And verse 16 says, and by the abundance of your trading. Think about this, by the abundance of your trading. Now the, ex- what? Now the exchange of worship that you are producing in every life around. You have become filled with violence and within you and you have sinned. Therefore, God says, I have cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub. I like how Jesus says it when the disciples came back and reported to him about how the demons and the spirits were subjected to them as they began to preach his name. Jesus says these words in Luke 10 verse 18. He said, I saw from heaven Satan fall like lightning. Come on, I saw God just flick him out of heaven and he fell to the ground like lightning. You've got to realize this. So many times we see the movies, the dark versus the light. Three hour long movies as they're fighting against each other and there's this massive struggle and this battle. But it seems like the, the good reigns supreme, but then the movie's always tagged with the darkness just kind of still lingering there. Why? Because there's another movie that's coming when the darkness is going to rise again. And many times we think of that with Satan, that he's this dark power, that there was this power struggle in heaven. No, there was no struggle in heaven. God says, out and bam, just like lightning, he was cast out. Satan didn't have no say in it. He had no control over it. And he was just flicked out of heaven. Bam, he's gone in an instant. So what does that mean? Why why do you share this with us, pastor? Here's why today. Because there's now a vacancy in the staff of heaven. There's now a vacancy. There's now a position to be filled because now the old worship leader is gone. There is no him anymore, but God is looking for a new worship leader. Hmm. I wonder today, who is his new worship leader? God has called you and I. You and I are called to be his new worship leader. Because God has given every one of us gifts and abilities. How many knows that there are people with more ability than gift? (laughs) Can I explain that to you? There's people who can sing, but they can't sing good. Amen? They have an ability to sing, but that's not their gift to be on the platform, leader us in worship. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want people to be lifted up in their gifts. Amen? Not just your ability. But every one of us has the ability to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But in giving that and in doing that, we've got to be so careful that we are directing all of that ability and gifting unto God and not giving it to where it doesn't belong. 
Remember we talked about Lucifer was created a being of instruments, an instrument being. Do you realize that God created us in the same way? In your throat there are strings that are called vocal cords. And those vocal cords will vibrate and that vibration just like a stringed instrument, is what produces the sound that comes out of your mouth. We are a stringed instrument. But then what else? God has given every one of us lungs to produce wind. We are a wind. We have pipes inside of us. And then God made us to be percussion. You may say, what's percussion? Come on, that's what percussion is. That with our hands, we're stumping our feet. We can be an instrument of praise. Think about this. God has given us everything we need. He has created us to worship Him. So, Pastor, how does that truth affect and change my life? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you three ways today. Are you ready? Come on, let's go on a journey today. Number one, God made me from Him. I am made from Him. I wish I had more time today because these points really are all a message in themselves. But we're just going to jump into it really quickly, so stay with me today. When God created in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see actually two things. We see one that God created and we see that God made. There are actually two words in the Hebrew language that was used to emphasize this and they are used in the creation experience. One is the word bara and the other is asa. Bara means to create or to bring into being from nothing. That something was created out of nothing and made. And then there is the other word, asa, that means to make or to recreate, rather, out of already existing materials. So in creation, we see both things happening. The Bible says, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Bara is the word there. But when we see that God began to recreate the world, we see that God took something and He reshaped it and He reformed it. And let me show you the difference because it is very important in your life. Because, again, we haven't got time, but between Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 1 verse 2, something has happened. Because God creates something that's perfect. And then the next verse we see that there was darkness and that there was emptiness, and there was void upon the world. I believe this is the period of time where Satan rebelled. This is where I believe that that time that he was cast down to earth, and there was darkness that came to this earth, that God had to come once again, and he had to speak life into existence and being. Because something took place during that time. But notice this from Genesis 1 verse 11. When God is doing the creation, He speaks light. But notice what happens when He comes to the earth and the vegetation of the earth. God says, let the earth bring forth grass and the herbs that yield seed and 
the fruit trees. God didn't speak trees into existence, but what? He spoke the earth, the ground into existence, and then He, what? Commanded the ground to make from it trees, grass, and flowers. Why is that so important, Pastor? Because you've got to see this. That God made you from Him. You see, in order for a tree to survive, a tree needs to be connected to which it was made from. In order for a flower to live, it needs to be connected to that which it was made from. God made the earth, but He says, now produce from you trees, flowers, all those beautiful things. But what? Needing to be connected to in order to live. Come on, I'm proving a point today. That it has to stay close to in order. It has to be in relationship to in order to happen. You see, when God made woman, He didn't speak her into being. He took her from man. For what reason? Her purpose is to be connected close to man. That to be in relationship and through that relationship, fruitfulness can come. But to be disconnected, no fruit, no life, no future. And we've got to see this because we read again in Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man. But notice what God said, we are going to make man in our image and in our likeness. Come on, He didn't create man like, bam, come forth man. He made man from who He was. For what reason? He made man so He would not be able to live without Him. He made man to be connected to Him and to be in relationship. You can say, no, no, God went down in the ground and he, he made from the dust of the ground. Yeah, He made the body, the housing, but the spirit of man, that which is eternal is that which is created and made like God and His likeness. Come on, we're made from God so we can fully exist in God and be in relationship with Him. You see, man came from God. We are sustained by God, but one day we will return to God. You see, God made us from Him. My God, you ain't no mistake. I said, you ain't no mistake. You were created from Him to be connected with Him so you can live the life that He has for you. Point number two, God made me to be with Him. I'm made from Him for what purpose? To be with Him, from Him, for Him, to be in relationship with Him. Have you ever asked yourself what kind of relationship God desires with your life? Have you really asked that? Is it a casual relationship that God wants or an intimate relationship? What do you think God made you for? To be some distant presence out there? No, we just realize that God made you to be close and connected because that's your life, that's your future, that's your hope for your life. You see, God made you more than just a Sunday. 
Come on, God made you just more than a Sunday. Well, I'll check the box because I went to church and I've paid my dues. So my relationship with God is good. God made you for more than just a Sunday relationship. You are more than just the attendance of coming to church because God made you because he wants you. And he wants all of you. You see, we weren't created for religion. We were created for relationship. Check this out. You've probably heard this scripture at weddings and just different things. Ephesians 5, 31, 32. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and they shall be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. Hold it right there. Because what we need to do is we need to read on. Because what he's really saying here is not ended right there like most of us end it. Okay, that's great. That's the relationship. We're joined together. Bam, it's done. No, Jesus is really using this as a reference point or an example for something greater than just a relationship between man and woman. This is the greatest way that he can explain how he desires to have a relationship because Paul goes on to say these words in verse 32. For this is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. In other words, I'm just using the husband and wife as an example. The closeness and the intimacy that they have. They wake up together. They do life together. They enjoy life together. That's the picture that I want you to see. And God says, because that's what I want to be with my church. That's what I want to be with you. That level of intimacy because God calls us his bride. That's you and I. That's the type of relationship he created us to be in. So we were created from him to be connected. We were created, what? To be with him every day of our lives. And then the third point today is God made me to express my love to him. What is expressed love? Worship. God made me to express love to him. God made me to worship him. You see, all God wants from you is this. It's so simple. All God wants from you is this, to love him back. To love him back. Most people today, you would go out and They want to know a God like that. It's just a shame the church has packaged it so wrong. The problem is not God. It's the package that man has presented it in there. And everyone has a desire and a need inside of them to be loved. And they think, if I could just find a man, if I could just find a woman, if I could just have a kid, if I could just have a dog, if I could just have someone to love me, but they don't realize that desire is bigger than what can be satisfied by earthly means. Because you were created from God to be with God, to worship God, and to continually give Him that love back. You are created to be that instrument of love, that instrument of worship to God. John 4 verse 23 says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers, that's you and me, will worship The Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such who worship Him. 
God is out looking for those who will bring back that love. Those that will worship Him. It's amazing when it says the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. That when the translators of the English version Bible, the King James interpreters, when they interpreted this, there was no word in the language of that day that they could find that fit really what this really means. So they made the word worship. They made it as a word to encompass everything that they felt it really was. But listen to me today. Worship and the true meaning of what they couldn't almost translate is a verb. And its truest meaning really is this. Are you ready? Worship really means to kiss. To kiss. To kiss. God is looking for those who will kiss Him. Kiss Him. But not even the type of a kiss of a lover. Because that's what we picture in our mind, that intimate kiss of a lover. It's even different to that. Because if you look at the original language of how it was written, it's literally like a kiss of a dog that is licking its master's hand. I remember having a little dog, Abby, and when I was going through a divorce and the kids weren't in the home with me all the time, and I would work a lot later at the office because I hated going home to the house on my own. But I had a little dog, and every time, no matter how late I was and when I came... You know, that little dog was always so pleased to see me. And she would come up to me and she wouldn't stand at the door and put her hands on her hips and say, where have you been? She would just come up and she would be. And she was just little, but she would be jumping and jumping and jumping and spinning around and just doing all these kind of things. I've got a bigger dog now. He's called Bentley. And it's amazing. Bentley is the same way. He's just a big baby. Kelly laughs. I don't know why he likes me. Kelly feeds him and she loves him and she, she, she's the mom, but he just seems to love me. He'll wait outside the door and when he'll hear me up, he just starts wagging and he starts pushing at the door and he can be anywhere in the house and he hears me up and he runs towards the door and he's just waiting and then he now can jump all over you and he just wants to lick you and he just wants to be in your face and he just wants to be loving you. That's the true picture of worship. That's the true picture of worship. Just to be in the face of God. Just loving God. Just worshipping God. Just giving God. Come on, just being so happy to see your master. Is that our worship, our kiss? Is that how we feel to him? I heard this joke, I thought it was pretty cool. If you want to know... Whether your dog loves you more than your spouse. Are you ready? Just lock them both in the trunk of your car. Leave them for an hour. And come back and see who's the most pleased to see you. Amen, amen. Your dog's going to be what? Your spouse ain't going to be that. What am I saying? What I'm saying is this. That's the worship that we need for God. 
Total adoration. Total expression because God, this is who I'm created to. I'm created to give to you worship. I don't want there to be a vacancy in heaven anymore. I don't want there to be a vacancy because God's word says this, if I don't cry out, then the rocks and stones. There's such a need that God has to be worshipped, not because he's an egotistical monster, but because of how glorious, how splendorous he is. There's a desire desire for all of the world to worship and praise him. And God says, if we ain't going to do it, then rocks and stones will begin to lift their voice and worship and praise him. Come on, I'm created from Him, to be with Him. So now I can worship Him and I can love Him. But remember, worship is not what we do. Worship is who we are. Come on, worship is who we are. It's giving everything to God. Because God is not this distant, faceless being somewhere out there. He's someone that's searching out for those that will lick his face. Those that will kiss him. Those that will want to be in relationship. He's looking for those who he created to be in fellowship and relationship with him. I wonder today what your worship is. I wonder what your worship is. I challenge you on Wednesday night. Maybe you're not one of these expressive and super expressive people. And, and, and to you, you're quiet and more reserved. Here's what I asked. Just take it to the next level. But really what I asked was this. Let nothing else in your life outworship God. If you're going to be a little bit more reserved and at an LSU game, you're at about a four level. Then make sure at church you're at a five. Amen. If you're at a 10 at an LSU game, make sure you're given 11 to God in church. Don't have all your praise shouted out that you've got nothing left for church. I made that determination in my life so many years ago. No one's going to out-worship and praise me in this church. Because God, you're worthy of the praise and you're worthy of the glory. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care how sick I feel. I've made a determination every week I'm going to worship him. Why? Because worship isn't what I do. Worship is who I am. Created from him. To be with him. So I can worship him. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.